focus on you, but today, at this time, Lord, we're going to make this our main priority to focus on you and to thank you for the things you've done in our life and to bless us and our families. And Lord, we just ask for uh, this to be a great night, Lord, in so many ways. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. amen. All amen. right, everybody, we're going to sing this song. It's called Won't You Come? And here we go. Won't you come? Come like you promised for us. Love like the fire. 
focus on how we belong to him and how he belongs to us. That's what this song is saying. Hallelujah. We're going to sing it just one more time from the verse, I refuse to be denied. And I want you just to put that in your heart today, that you're not just going to give up because you go through hard times, but you're going to go after God today. And the reason why we like to close our eyes is it's an attitude of prayer. These songs are praying to God. If you need to look at the words, there's nothing wrong with that. You learn the words. But just if you can mean it from your heart, that's where the power comes. So let's sing the verse. Though I am weak, and though I'm drunk, to be denied, I just feel like I need to go out and do something right now, you know? I walked around my neighborhood today. 
Did anybody do something outdoors today? Anything? Anybody? What did you do? Went for a jog. Let's give it up for my brother going for a jog. That's better than a walk. Come on. Awesome, awesome. Well, we just want to welcome you guys here to uh, Metro Friends. It's what we've been doing here. It's our second month at this location. We're so excited everybody's here. We're meeting every Tuesday here at uh, 7 o'clock. Love for you guys to keep on coming and uh, hanging out with us. And if you want more information, you can check us out at metropraise.org. But our heart is to continue showing up here on Tuesdays and just, you know, sing some songs, have a Bible study, and a time of prayer. And I just want to thank all you guys for being faithful and uh, coming out and helping us get started. This is uh, what it's like to start a new church, and it's been a lot of fun. And I appreciate everybody coming out tonight. Keep bringing friends. I think you guys are having a good time uh, with today's message. And what Metro Praise is all about, you know, what we want to do here is what we believe Jesus said, which is the most important thing, is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so can everybody say, love God? Thank you. Can you say, love people? Thank you. So that's what, you know, if you want to know what Metro Praise is about, we're about loving God, loving people. And what a better place to do it here than at the Chopin Theater uh, on a Tuesday night. I just love this environment right now. You can see that we're in the middle of a play that scene, and this is a nutcracker, so if anybody uh, wants to come and see this play, I guess it looks kind of cool. That's why there's some uh, confetti on the floor. I guess it's snow. But uh, isn't the nutcracker supposed to have uh, different characters from a different time period than this uh, marine guy with a cheesy smile holding a girl with leggings and stockings? I don't know what Nutcracker this is, but it's definitely not one that I've ever seen. Is anybody tracking that with me? Okay, one other person. I, I thought the Nutcracker like happened like in colonial times. Am, am I thinking of a wrong Nutcracker? Is anybody, I'm not even gonna be funny, does anybody know the Nutcracker I'm thinking of? Is it the, and then there's not there the Toy Soldier and all that? Okay, I'm just wondering, maybe we can find out about that. But, uh, yeah, 17th century or something, so I don't know. Anyways, we're here, we're having fun, and we're gonna love God. And we're going to love people. And the way we want to do that is connect, mentor, send. It's like a way that we can help everybody grow in their faith. And a lot of the times uh, when I meet new people coming to the church, they're like, man, this is really the first church that I felt connected to. And that's cool, and I appreciate that. And we're really trying hard to do a good job at that. So what we're asking everybody to do who wants to make this new church is to get one of our books. Uh, you can get all the books for free. As a matter of fact, we're giving them away to the campus right now. Uh, Twitter, Park, I just want everybody to get us all of our guests. You guys can go to the table and pick them up. Uh, but basically, can somebody say connect? Yeah. Thank you. So basically, we want to start you off in a discipleship relationship where you go through a book with a mentor and you do this in a, a life group that meets at Chris and Vanessa's house. So we meet here on Tuesdays and Chris and Vanessa meet at their house on Sundays. And then if you pick up this book, you can begin to go through the Bible studies and begin to grow in your faith because we think it's important that everybody... Uh, gets a chance to learn the Bible. So I uh, try to come out to Chris and Vanessa's this Sunday night at 5 o'clock. And it's just casual. Come as you are, just like this. Show up over there. And then pick up some of these books in the back. And then can I hear somebody say, Mentor. Thank you, Mentor. And, and what we believe is, is if you're doing this, and like you get past this, and you show like you got some enthusiasm, we want to start a Bible class before this service uh, we start here at 7 o'clock. I think we could meet here at the Shelton at 5.30, and we could go through this big old thick book right here, and it is a lot of fun, and it goes into spiritual gifts. It, it, it gets into God's plan for your family, single adults, how to wait for the right one, marriage, you know, preparing your life for children and these different things, and 
also gets him to find the purpose and destiny. So you can pick up this book as well, even if you're not even in the class. But this is something we'd like to start, and I know already, uh, you know, some of you are going through this book, and just get ready. When this book is done, we're going to start this right here. And I can just share with you, at Metro Praise Urban Park, where we've been for about seven years, uh, we have 30 students in this class right now, and we have about 50 students in this class right now for about close to 80, and then we have 25 people who have graduated from these, these classes. So we have about 100 people that have either graduated or in the classes, and it just starts off with one. That's all it has to be. It just starts off with one person. And if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus didn't go around and say to thousands and thousands of people, come, let's have a good time, let's have fun. No, Jesus said, how many, how many disciples did Jesus have? He said to 12 people, and he called them one at a time. He said, Peter, come follow me. Matthew, come follow me. So I would ask you to start by doing this right here, and I think this will change your life. And our goal, and the reason why we're here, is because we want to see 100,000 disciples over our lifetime come to Jesus. And I'm a young guy, even though I've got some gray hairs coming here, and then some of these gray hairs have come from Chris and Vanessa. But, you know, I want to give my life to raise up 100,000 disciples for Jesus with 50 churches in this city. So we only got 48 more to go, okay? And then 500 around the world. And you know how many we have right now in uh, five different locations in four nations? We have over 200 churches. We have about 60 in northern Delhi, uh, in Delhi, in India. We have about 40 in southern India and Vijayawada. We have about 20 in, in uh, Kathmandu, uh, Nepal. And then we have about 60 in Lahore, uh, Pakistan, and about a dozen and Lagos, Nigeria. The book is translated in their language, and they are going through it as well. Thousands of people around the world. And you can be a part of this here in Wicker Park. So I hope that's exciting for you, and that you just take the next step. You might say, okay, Pastor, that's a whole lot you just told me. Just take the next step and come to our house, party, okay? Just come Sunday to our house, party, and keep growing in your faith, okay? And that's actually what this uh, week's message is going to be about, grow up. So. I think you guys are all going to like it. And today's lesson is going to be on growing up, you know, just learning how to grow up in our faith. And if you look around, nobody here is a senior citizen. So we can look at how we're all growing. Like my wife is growing to have our third child, and my children are growing up. Some of you are growing to be married. Most of you are single. If, if I'm correct, I think I'm looking at an entire single audience. Is anybody uh, married? No? Okay, if you're all single, raise your hand. If you're all single, okay. See, I'm going to teach you guys about how to grow up and be the person you're supposed to be. Uh, next week, November 22nd, we're going to talk about growing in evangelism because we believe we should share our faith and go out there and help others know about Jesus. And you see us doing that before service every week from 5.30 to 6.30, handing out water in the summer and now hot chocolate in the winter. So we're going to teach about how to help people and tell about Jesus. Uh, the next week after that, the 29th, it's going to be grow in generosity. You know, living to give, like just how to give your life away and just have a heart of a giver. And then the first week of December, we're going to grow in community. And we're just going to talk about like what does it mean to grow and to love each other and not be all awkward when we come here. How many still feel kind of like there's an awkward monster and, and when we come here because we're all kind of new, but you're kind of awkward, but that's just okay. No, that's okay. I'm, I'm the only one that raised their hand. No, but you know what I'm saying? When you're new and it's like everybody's new, it's, it's like we're all awkward. It's like who's who's been coming here the longest? It's like, well, we've only been here for two months, so it's hard to build depth 
in-depth relationships in two months. So if you're still kind of getting over your awkwardness, we're getting over it, but we're going to talk about how to grow in community because I guarantee you, we keep doing this, we stay faithful, God will keep building this church. And I know that he will because he has a great plan for us here. And so that's what's going to be going on. And uh, the way we basically supply the need, uh, this place is not free. It, it costs us about $350 a week just to show up here, okay? So that's not for me to get a new Rolls Royce if anybody wants to give me one because I'm such a great pastor, like I'll drive it. But that's not what we need the money for, okay? What we want to do is keep paying the bills right here. So if you want to know what does this place cost to rent, $350 a week. And if we all just do our part, we can continue to pay the bills. And uh, as I was talking to you guys last week, the monthly budget is about $1,400 for rent and then about, you know, another $600 just in things we give away and, and the different things that we do with the Christmas outreach. So it's an even $2,000, and I know that this congregation can do it. Why? Because the congregation at Irving Park is now up to about $21,000, and they're doing it. And I know if they can do it on that grade of a level, and I watched it grow from a little seedling in my house with like two people, if I watched it grow, 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 grow to where it is now, I know if we all do our part, we can watch this grow. So it's, it's, it's a manageable budget, and the way the Bible talks about how we do it is there's not a fee when you come in, so it's not like uh, ten dollars for lease and you know, like you know, ten dollars to use the bathroom and ten dollars for parking. Uh, what we do in the church is ties and offerings, and this is what I've been doing since I was a kid. So this was before I was ever even a pastor. Uh, my parents taught me, Joe, whatever we give you as an allowance, give ten percent of that to God. So when my parents would give me a dollar as a little kid, what did they tell me to give back to God? Okay, we have one mathematic genius here. Are the rest of you guys sleeping or did we forget how to do math? Let's try it again. When my parents gave me a dollar when I was a little kid, how much did they tell me to give to God? Ten cents. As I got older and I started mowing the lawn, and I started mowing the lawn at ten years old. Anybody got sent out to mow the lawn at ten? My dad's like, here's the lawn. Yeah, there we go. My dad's like, here's the lawnmower, son. Guess what you're doing today? And so I'm ten years old, I push you the lawnmower. And then I would get twenty dollars a week. How much did they teach me to give a tithe off? Twenty dollars. Two dollars. And so I teach in a Bible college now, and I don't like getting anything up my sleeve. My wife and I make about $40,000. That's what I make teaching a Bible college doing what I do. I teach uh, two classes. I have a, a, a school of 12 students in our congregation. And what my wife and I make, $40,000. So what do I give the Lord now as a 34-year-old man, soon to be 35? What do I give the Lord every year off that $40,000? Or, you know, all you got to do is just move the decimal. Just think of moving the decimal. So you knowing now what, what, what I do, the question is, what do you do? God has commanded all of us to do this. And I just want you to see it in the Bible real quick so you don't just think like, oh, man, the pastor, he just makes this stuff up and we're supposed to do it because I want you all to see it. So open up your Bibles with me to Malachi chapter 3. We talked about it last week. I just want you all to see it and this week. I'm not going to have it up here because I want you guys to start bringing the Bibles, those that uh, believe in the Bible. Does anybody believe in the Bible here? Okay, so those who do, you can bring it. And the cool thing is, is you can get it on your phone for free, your iPad, whatever you guys like to carry around. Uh, Malachi chapter 3. Uh, God is talking about tithes and offerings with us. Malachi chapter 3, 7 and onward. He says, Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. So God is speaking to the people of Israel. He says, Guys, ever since I've been giving you these commandments, and it started with the ten, 
And by the time God was done giving the Jewish people commandments, it was already like 316. Uh, no, excuse me, 616. And it got to be a lot of commandments, so it wasn't just 10. If you read the book of Leviticus, Deuteronomy, you see all of these commands. But you know the problem is? They didn't keep the commands. So God is speaking to them. He says, ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. Can everybody say return to me? And then say God will return to me. Let's start again like this. Say return to God and God will return to me. That's exactly what it says, Malachi chapter 3. Does anybody have their Bible? Can you say amen if you see it? Come on. Uh, you just raise your hand. You just believe it. Does anybody have their Bible in front of them? Chris, does it say it? Okay, we got some, uh, some Bible. I just want to make sure you guys know I'm reading right now. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? And then now God answers the question, will a man rob me? But you have robbed me. And you ask, how have we robbed you? Everybody go like this. Go, God, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. It's quiet, but that's, that's what he said. Is that what he said, Chris? Rudy, I know you're new at the church, and you've got a cool doodle phone, the kind that I like, you know. Is that what it says in your Bible, too? Isn't that something? So God in heaven and earth, our God, is talking about people on this earth robbing him. Now, you might say to yourself, well, dude, why does God need my money? I think if he's God, he's got it going on up in heaven. It's not like God's going to the angels going, angels, who paid the light bill this month? You know, Gabriel's like, sorry, God, I spent it at Starbucks. No, no, they're keeping the lights on streets of gold. But if you keep reading verse 10, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Everybody say storehouse. Thank you that there may be food in my house. Now we're borrowing Chopin Theater, which by the way the owners, Mila and Ziggy actually live right through that door upstairs if you want to walk into the living room have a free dinner on Ziggy and then you have my permission just kidding. But literally their back door is right there and it leads right to their kitchen and they live in this house. But when we borrow this, when Metro Price is here for $3.50 a week, whose house is this? When we're here. Whose house is it right now? God's house. Somebody say, God's house. Boom. So he says, bring it to my house. Because heaven pays the bills. We need to pay the bills here. That's how it works. Everybody get it? And God says, when you're not doing that here on earth, and you're keeping that 10% and robbing me. And guys, don't uh, rob God. I'm just going to share that with you. Uh, if you're in your heart not believing in God, and you're, you know, whatever, then don't get, don't get anything. I'm just talking to people like me who believe in God and love God thankful that they're saved and they're going to heaven. My friends, I was a high school dropout. I was arrested eight times. I was on drugs. I sold drugs. And when my mother led me to the Lord at 18 years old at the kitchen table, and I accepted the Lord into my life, I said, God, my life is so messed up without you. Now that I have you, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. I mean, if God wanted me to jump on one leg and walk, you know, and squall like a chicken, I would have done, what's wrong? God told me to do this, you know? But I began to read my Bible, and one of the coolest things that God told me was to do this. And, uh, and I'll just be honest with you, I'm not saying I'm perfect, I've got a lot of mistakes still do, but one of the things that made so much sense to me was, was God, if it wasn't for a place like this, my brother would have never had the teaching to teach me about God. And so, Lord, if my little, at that time I was driving pizzas for like 100 bucks a week, and I was like, God, my $10 a week helps this place help my mom and help me. 
Uh, so let's pray. Uh, Lord, we ask you, God, to help us see finances and see our life the way you do. God, sometimes it's hard because we only see what's in our bank account, and we uh, sometimes think you don't need it as bad as we do. But, Lord, you said that your storehouse needs it, your house here needs it. And so, Lord, you, you asked us to do it, and sometimes being obedient doesn't come easy. I know sometimes lying seems easier than telling the truth. Uh, sometimes uh, keeping anger is easier than forgiveness. And, God, sometimes keeping our money is easier than giving it. But, Lord, you promised us that when we did, you would bless us. And, Lord, I've been serving you now for 16 years. I'm not that 18-year-old kid anymore. But, God, I still love to give to you. And I do it with a cheerful heart. Not just because I'm a pastor, God, but because I've seen churches change my life and my family's life all these years. And I see it making a difference in this community already. Lives that are being changed. And Lord, what I love about you and your commandments is they're never too hard that we can't do it or so complicated we can't understand. You didn't say give 100% and live homeless. You didn't say give me 12.3%. God, you made it very simple. Give me 10%. That's what you said. And so Lord, we do it out of obedience to you. We ask you to bless those who give today. Provide for them in ways that they don't even see. And Lord, we also ask you now to be with our missionaries who are around the world, who not only have the issue of finances as we do in this church, but God, they're also being persecuted, many of, many of them by Islamic and communist nations. And so Lord, I ask you to be with Pastor Matt Happen, Cat Benjamin, and Paul, bless his churches, Lord. I ask you to be with Pastor Neil in Northern India, Delta, provide for them, protect them. God, be with Pastor Lynn and B.J. Awada on Pradesh State in Southern India, Lord, be with Pastor Chime in Lagos, Nigeria. And Lord, we ask you to be with uh, Pastor Edward in Lahore, Pakistan. Lord, they're important to us. We lift them up today. We ask you to bless them in Jesus' name. And can everybody say amen? Amen. amen. And by the way, if you want to give to the missions, we hit that envelope, circle missions, and it goes directly to them. And uh, let's say this scripture on the count of three. And the reason why we say scriptures out loud is because we believe them, and we believe by confessing them with our mouth, there's power. It's like a confession to God, okay? So let's say it on the count of three. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. So uh, be blessed as you give. Thank you so much for your help. And uh, watch this cool video which shows uh, some of the things we do around the world.
prayers as well. Um, this is the part of the service where we are going to ask you a question, and then this becomes kind of like the Christian Oprah Winfrey in church, okay? So I'm going to ask you guys a question. This is the time where you get to say, you know, what you think. Because a lot of times people come to church and it's like, oh, no, no. You know, it's kind of like the Charlie Brown thing, like, whoa, whoa. Like, that's what you hear me. Sometimes people get bored in church, and it's like, well, that pastor doesn't talk, you know. Well, that is something we have to do. Otherwise, it would be really quiet. See how quiet it would be if I wasn't talking. So, you see, I do need to talk. But this is the time when you guys get to talk back. Here's the question tying in to the message today is, can a person really love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength? And the reason why I want to ask you this today is because when we're going to be talking about growing up and like stop making excuses about serving God, guess what the biggest thing God wants us to do? This commandment. He says, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm just wondering if you feel like me sometimes and maybe you're like, I don't know if that's even possible. I think sometimes we look at our hearts like their four-bedroom apartments or three-bedroom apartment. And we're like, God, I'm going to give you the bedroom where I keep all my troubles at, okay? So when my grandmother died, this is where I keep that pain in this bedroom. And so whenever I feel that pain, I'm going to let you come into that room. And then this other room, I'm going to let you come into every now and then. This is the I need money room. So whenever I need money, we'll open that up. But like this third bedroom, this is my hopes, my dreams, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, you know, my family, my job, and all that. That door is locked and you can't go in. Have you ever been over somebody's house and their doors are open except one door is locked? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And usually that's the room that they threw everything into and they're like, hey, check out the whole house. Don't go in that room right there. Come on that room. And my wife and I actually do this too because my wife is pregnant and she just loves to nap all the time. But I'm a napping person. I actually like to do my studying laying in the bed. So I'm in that posture quite a bit during the day. So the bottom line is we don't make our bed. But every other room of the house is kept entirely spotless. So if you come over, we'll show you the whole house. But then our bedroom door, shut. You know? And I think sometimes we think about our relationship with God like we're not going to give them all. We're just going to give them maybe three out of the four rooms, because this room is too personal, and maybe we don't trust God. So that's what I think. I want to know what you think, so just look at your neighbor, ask them what they think, and let's talk about it in like five minutes, okay? So that means you got to look at somebody and ask them, what do you believe? Go ahead. This is where you participate. Seconds and then you need to become Oprah Winfrey. 
30 seconds and then we'll get a feedback from you guys. Alright, if you guys want to just kind of start wrapping it up. And then uh, keep talking if you want. Don't let me interrupt you right now. But I do want to hear for, uh, from somebody out there. So is it possible to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Who wants to give me some feedback? Okay, I got somebody pointing. Usually the one who points gets to be the one who talks. Like this one, this one. Anybody want to add on to that? But, okay, there we go, Jerry. Let's give it up for Jerry, the first one. So we don't just have an awkward moment here. I believe that people can love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, but I think that it's really difficult to be consistent. Um, I do believe that it's possible, but I think that sometimes it gets overwhelming day after day sometimes. And so it's possible, but how? give me an example of how it could be done. Like, how does somebody do that? Um, I feel like if they're, or if you're constantly seeking the Lord and not holding yourself back from that complete openness with Him, that it's possible to completely expose yourself and to give everything, but it's a constant, you constantly have to work at it. It's not something that's easy for us in human nature because we become selfish. So I'm hearing the word consistent. Yeah. So if somebody is consistent, then that is a way of giving their all even though they fall short. Is that what you're saying? In other words, or put it back in your words if I'm not saying it right. If somebody wants to add on to it, anybody want to give their own thought? Sid, let's pass it on down to Sid. Thank you, Jerry. So funny when you guys give the feedback and then I say it back to you when I'm hearing you right now. And I'm like, well, then what are you saying? It's funny. When you guys communicate, when you guys communicate, think about what you're saying, and then when I say it back, think about what I'm saying. That would give you Yeah, you're just like, oh. Yeah, you did that last week, you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't be nervous. That's the goal. Go ahead, sit. I, I do believe it's possible. I think a lot of times we get drawn away. So what I'm hearing you say is basically, if you set your lifestyle towards God, live for it, then that's giving your all. Is that what I'm hearing? Or give me the, what I'm looking for is not just a repeating of oh, you can love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength if you try to be consistent, or if you uh, try to live for it. What I'm asking is, how do you live for it? How do you be consistent? You know, because Jesus said do it. So doing it is more than just being like, okay, I'm going to do it. Kind of what I'm doing. It's like, what are you going to do? I'm just going to do it. You know, it, you know, it's like sometimes my daughter, and I'm like, you ready to go poo-poo? She's like, yeah, I'm going to go poo-poo. I'm going to go poo-poo. And then we put her on the toilet. She just like sits there for a whole long time. So, you know, come on, think through this, guys. God is telling you, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay, God, what do I do? Like, what do you got to do? Think about it. Okay, there's something. Line your life up with the Bible. Does anybody think that's important? Come on, just keep feeding back, guys. Who else wants to say something? Thank you, Sid. Appreciate it. I just want to get some do's out of this. 
from the dudes. Now we got the duette. Come on, Diana. See, this is your guys' time to feed back. And you guys got to get back. Somebody's like, I don't even believe in God. You can say that. We'd love to hear it. Go ahead, girl. So I um, agree with like lining your lifestyle up with the Bible, um, you know, being born again, obviously um, coming to Christ. So can we just pause yeah. right there? Because you say a lot of churchy things, and maybe some people don't understand those churchy things. So the so the, one of the things I just heard you say was you agree with sin, lining your life up with the, the Bible. So that's like a whole lot of commands, right? Yeah. And then you said be born again. What does that mean? Explain to me what born again means. If you're telling me that's what it means to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Maybe somebody doesn't know. Being born again is basically um, when you ask God for forgiveness and you dedicate your life to Him, you know, and you start a relationship with Him, you know. And, um, yeah, that's basically what it is. Thank um, you. Can we just pause? Right How many know now what it means to be born again? Cool. <laughs> if you didn't know, now you know. Right. So keep going. So line your life up to the word. Be born again. I love it. Keep going. Okay. So being born again, and then um, you know, just being real with God, communicating with Him, talking to Him. Um, and I think, well, I'm just, I believe the lifestyle. So lifestyle part is um, talking about following the commands. But then on top of that, I mean, none of us are perfect. And so I, I kind of like go back to, I don't know where it is in the Bible, but like God doesn't see the way man sees. Like, you know, he doesn't judge on the outside. Like God looks at the heart. And so I think that loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, obviously the thoughts that we see, you know, what the, the desires in our hearts, lining those up as well with um, God's will and, and what he wants for us. And Beautiful. Thank you. Got thoughts in there. So we got to think about them. Anybody else want to add to that? We'll have somebody get the final word. Anybody want to get the final word? Walter gets the final word. Well, yeah, you gotta you got to open up all, all parts of your life. I've opened up emotional things, financial situations, everything. And being born again, I learned that I had to give up a lot of things. Trust me, I, I had to go through a breaking, which, you know, I was stuck in so many of my old ways that I emotionally broke down a lot of times. And that actually helped me heal those wounds in my life to step into one of the in my life where I could walk more power. Yeah, can I just pause you right there? I want to just hear that for myself, because that's where I came from. So you're saying, kind of, let me just give an illustration and tell me if I'm on track with what you're saying. Um, almost like that room, uh, that room analogy, those three different rooms, it's almost like those doors are locked and they're each separate rooms and each door is locked. So you can't get in and then you can't go from one to the other. But your definition, if I'm hearing what you're you know, connecting, because this is what I kind of feel, is that what you're saying is you had the door open and the devil came in and knocked down all the junk in there and it broke you down to the point where you're like, my room is a mess, it's torn down, my relationships run into my finances, it's all jacked up, tore up from the floor up, is how you like to say it. And then it's like, God, have all of it. Like, God, you want it? Here's all of it. I mean, is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Lord gave me strength to get up and say, I'm not giving up. Come on. I mean, I, you know, it's you good. call it stubborn faith, and that's exactly how I am. I'm stubborn. I'm not going to let you tell me no. If I, if I want it bad enough, I'm going to keep coming at you. Right, can anybody else relate to that kind of thing? It's maybe falling apart and God building up. Amen. Let's give it up for everybody sharing tonight. Thank you, Walter, with the final word. Um, let's open up our Bibles here to today's lesson on Grow Up, 1 Peter chapter 2. 
of verse 2. Thank you, Brother Dan. So today's message is going to start off our series for the next four weeks on Grow Up. It's time to grow. And what I want you to think about here is a plant that gets it has a seed put into the ground and it begins to grow. So think of just something in the natural world growing and now begin to compare your life to this. This is how you're going to grow up in the things of God. So today we're going to talk specifically about just growing up, okay? Now let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Now this is Peter the disciple, okay? He walked with Jesus, knows Jesus, and like was really close to the Lord. So if anybody could give us some advice, it would be your boy Peter. Let's see what Peter said. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Everybody say, grow up. Grow up. Thank you. And he says, grow up in salvation. Can everybody say salvation? salvation. Thank you. So Peter is saying, now that you know the Lord and you say, I believe in Jesus, you need to grow up. And the way I like to look at it, it's like this. Some of the people shared the phrase born again. Okay? Let me share it again in a little bit more depth here. When we come into this world, we are born sinners in our spiritual nature. Our body is alive and our soul and mind is working together to help us go through life. But we are spiritually disconnected from God. It is easier for us as a child, and I watch this with my beautiful daughters, to disobey than it is to obey. And as we get older, it's easier for us to lie than to tell the truth. It's easier for us to have a temper tantrum than to be patient. Why? Because on the inside, we are sinners. It's easier to sin. That is our nature, and we'll use our mind and our physical body to help further that along. And sometimes people say, well, I wasn't that bad of a sinner. Well, let me ask you a question. If somebody's on trial for murder, and they say, I only did it one time, does that matter to you if you're handing out the verdict? Oh, well, you only murdered once. Okay, but just go out, don't do it again. You know, is that what we're going to say? No, murdering one time makes you a murderer. So you might say, why wasn't that bad? Did you lie once? According to the Bible, that makes you a liar. Did you take something that didn't belong to you one time in your time in life so far? That makes you a thief. Did you ever disobey your parents? That makes you rebellious. Did you ever have jealousy, covetousness towards what somebody else had? That makes you a coveter. Did you ever take the name of the Lord in vain? That makes you a blasphemer. I've only gone through five of the Ten Commandments. Shall I continue? Okay, has it, pretty, has it been pretty well proved that we are pretty good at sinning? Amen? Now, some of us are just better than others. Now, let's just, let's just keep it real. Amen? I mean, some of us, I mean, we took sinning to another level. You know, like, we were like, like Friday, Saturday, then Sunday, then Monday, then Tuesday, then Wednesday, and then Thursday morning. Come on. Like, some of us just knew how to sin. We were like telling all the other sinners, look at me now, you know. Watch me working and twerking. So it doesn't matter what level of a sinner you are. We need to understand we're sinners. Now, here's the thing, born again. Jesus dies on the cross, raises again on the third day for our salvation, forgiveness of those sins. Because he was innocent, the guilty, us, go free. Because he died, we get to live. Sometimes people think, well, I don't need Jesus. I'm a pretty good person. No, Jesus shows you your sinfulness. You know why? Because he was perfect. He never told a lie. He never stole. 
He never disobeyed his parents. He never lusted. He never blasphemed his father's name. And therefore, when he was killed as an innocent man, it was a divine act of judgment. The father was saying, son, if you're innocent and you'll take punishment for those who are guilty, I'll give the guilty a pass. I'll give them forgiveness. And so now when you look at my sins or people's sins in here who have accepted forgiveness, you can think of it like a bill with a red stamp on it with the blood of Jesus saying, paid in full. My bill, the sin bill I owe the Father, Jesus paid with his blood. Paid in full, baby. Are you all listening to me? And when I get to heaven, the devil's going to be up there, and he's going to be all up in the Father's face. But, man, you don't know what this boy did on the earth. Man, this boy sold drugs. He stole from people. He stole from his own mother. He robbed women. He broke in the houses. But then Jesus is going to stand before the Father and say, Shut up, devil. By these stripes and wounds, he is forgiven and healed, paid in full. I don't get to go to heaven because I'm good. I get to go to heaven because I'm forgiven. Jesus didn't come to make good people better. He came to make dead people live. And without being born again, you are dead in your sins and in your inner nature, no matter how hard you try. I'm going to be better today. You're still going to lust in your heart. You're still going to lose your temper. And it doesn't matter how you think you can do good for yourself without Christ on the inside. It's not going to work. So here's what born again means. A sinner comes to Jesus and says, I was born a sinner, but I want to be born. So Joe was born a sinner, January 19, 1977. That's when his body and soul came into being. But I was born again in my spiritual nature, November 5, 1995. Are you all tracking with me? There was a day I was born, and there was a day I was born again. How do I know I'm born again? Because Jesus is living on the inside of me, and I keep his commandments. It's not that I am keeping his commandments to be born again. It's because I'm born again, I keep his commandments. Now you're ready for this scripture. 1 Peter 2, 2 says, like newborn babes craves pure spiritual milk. Okay, so you can grow up in your salvation. So guess what? When I first got saved, guess what happened November 6th, 1995? Oh yeah, John Gallagher showed up at my house with some weed. And he didn't have a car and he needed to catch a ride to the airport. So guess what he said? He said, hey, he had to talk like this because we smoke weed all the time. And he had a voice like me. So he's like, guess what, man? I, I'm going to give you some weed, man, if you give me a ride to the airport, dude. And I'm like, come on. You know, like cheats and chocolates just roll down the windows. Man, I'll take you to the airport anytime, dude. Come on. So November 6th, see, I was born again November 5th. I was like, thank you, Jesus. I was like, saved, okay? But November 6th came, and now I had a choice to make. Do I grow up in my salvation, or do I just stay a little baby? Because think of that day, I was just a little baby. And, and you see, uh, you know, babies make a lot of mistakes, and babies aren't, you know, really good at cleaning their own poo-poo and doo-doo. But you know what? If you don't grow up and i got to change Chris's doo-doo in the middle of service, then we got some trouble. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because you all just get this in your mind. Now, it's normal for us to clean up babies' dirty diapers. But imagine me just going, guys, let's just pause here real quick. i got to change his diapers. And like I set him on the floor like my wife does our baby. I pull up his legs. I put it in my hand. And I just go down there and just scoop it out. Just go down there and just keep. Are you all trapped with me? You're like, that is gross. And, and, and that would be not only gross, but it would be perverted in many ways, you know what I'm saying? It'd be like somebody's fantasy. 
I'm changing Chris's diapers. You know some sick, twisted person calls that their fantasy, but check, check what I'm saying here. See, what, what Peter is saying, you've got to grow up. You've got to grow up. And you know what happens when people don't grow up? They make God throw up. You see, Revelations chapter 3, verse 16, at the end of the book, Revelation, God says, because you're neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth on judgment day. You see, God said that. Look it up when you have time. Revelation 3.16. And think of it like coffee. Uh, people like cold coffee, you know, like, you know, like cappuccino latte with some ice cream and some whipped cream, you know, and a little cherry on top. Cold ice cream on summer days. How many like that, right? It's cool. Yeah. And then like hot coffee, we like hot coffee, right? But have you ever been like at somebody's house and you grab the wrong pot and you have lukewarm coffee? What's the first reaction? You want to spit it out of your mouth. Same thing, like we like cold milk, cereal, and all of that, and then we like hot milk, hot chocolate, right? But have you ever had lukewarm milk that's got that little kernel, that little uh. layer on top? Come on. And so the Bible says, because you're neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. So check it out, y'all. Listen, here we go. Either you grow up or God's going to throw up. So it's up to you today. Are you going to grow up in your salvation? Now, I know some of you are not getting this, even though I gave you some great illustrations. So I want to help you to make this even more plain and funny. I want y'all to watch this little clip here about the butts. Everybody just say butts. butts. Look at your name and say your butt. Your butt. Here we go. Watch this video right here. Watch this video. Let me get It's Jimmy Annie. I gotta be blunt about it. And you know what? The funny thing is, I got several big butts. And, and before you before you discard me or, or wince at the disgusting notion of that, I'm going to go out on a limb here and suggest that possibly you have at least one big butt as well. Now, <laughs> like that? Hurts a little, huh? Let me tell you something. Let me just tell you something, okay? Everybody we know has a big butt. And more often than not, it's the thing that actually gets in the way of us living a consistent life for Jesus. Yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to expound a little bit, okay? See if you can recognize... Everywhere, 
a butt pipe. Right? And, and, and the most overused butt of all time, but I just don't have enough time. You know, oh, come on, we have a lot of butts. God has given us a real simple word, okay? If we learn it, and we share it, and we teach it, and we live by it, then see, God gets glorified, people benefit, and then we get blessed. That's why we do what we do. That's the why behind the butt, okay? And ultimately, that's the whole point I'm trying to make here, my fellow butt lovers, is if your butt <laughs> is bigger than your why, then your butt's too big. Okay, it's time to, metaphorically speaking, snap into a swim gym, okay? Let's slap on some spiritual shape-ups and hit the road a little bit so we can just manage the butts a little bit. That's all we're trying to do. That's what we're talking about. Let's minimize the excuses. Say it with me. Shriek the butt. Shriek the butt. And you and I can do that together. We can conquer this. You and I can do it. We start the day, okay? I know we can. Let's just do it. No hits, hands, or. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How many of uh, you can relate to that? Come on. 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 I mean, literally, isn't that the way it is? You know what I'm saying? Like, let's go to church tonight. Let's go to church. No, but I have to work and do my hair and do the laundry. It's, it's like, uh, let's live for God and stop cussing. But this is the way my parents taught me how to talk, and this is how I've always talked. You know, let's give our tithes and offerings. No, but I won't have any money to go home, and then I'm going to die, and I'll be poor. I'll be a beggar for Jesus. And then you'll be putting a little penny in my offering cup, and I'll be living on the side of the road. You see, we make all these little butts. We think that serving God is, like, so hard. But serving the devil is so easy, right? Like, serving the, like the devil is a good old pimp, isn't he? Like, oh, I can serve the devil. He just pimps us all the time. Oh, you a good devil. You a real good devil. You know, it's like we make God out to be, like, this evil slave master, and then we love the devil, the pimp, like, oh, devil, it's so easy to sin. My friends, when are we going to start living for God and showing that living for God is the right thing and it actually comes easy when our desire wants to do it? Like, isn't it easy to come to church on Tuesday when you love coming to church? Isn't it easy to give tithes and offerings when you see the benefit of that? Doesn't it come easy to treat your neighbor right when you begin to see the benefit? My friend, curse words shouldn't be normal. Skipping church shouldn't be normal. Living a jacked up life shouldn't be normal. Living for God should be normal. That's what should come normal to us. We should be able to be able to live for God without these buts. Because remember, he said to us, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Without any if, ands, or what? Buts. I'm going to give you five ways to grow today in your salvation. Five ways that I feel if I go through quickly, you're going to walk out of here growing up a little bit. I'm going to teach you how to grow up in church. To stop making excuses about why you can't come to church. To grow up in your sexuality. To, once again, take away the if, ands, and buts of you living for God pure sexually. When I met the Lord, I had already had two STDs. I had had sex with many girls, but then at 18 years old, I made a decision. I was going to stop having sex until I got one of these. Y'all listening to me? And I thought that Jesus was going to give it to me in a year. You know how long I had to wait? Eight years, okay? It wasn't easy, and there was no righty and lefty and Pamela Anderson in the bathroom with uh, with uh, with a pineapple jelly. Are you listening to me? Okay, I'm talking no masturbation, no pornography, no sex, nada. Eight years, eight years. That, that's growing up in your sexuality, somebody. Amen. Uh, number three, grow up in your thinking. 
So many people have stinking thinking. You know how many thoughts we have on average a day? 50,000 thoughts on average a day. And just start to think about your thoughts. Think about me thinking about you thinking right now. And you'll begin to start thinking about how much you think. You think on an average two to three thoughts a second. Times that by all the seconds in the day, about 50,000. And guess what? Out of your 50,000 thoughts a day, most of them are negative. And guess who they're negative against? You and God. We look at ourselves, don't like ourselves. We don't like our life that we have. And God's sitting here going, do you think I made junk? You know, when we don't like ourselves and we don't like the life that God gave us, we're calling our creator a bad creator. We're saying, God, you, you suck at making people. You suck at giving purposes. God, you're terrible at this. You're just so terrible because I'm so ugly and I'm so messed up and I just tell myself this all the time and nobody likes me and this person doesn't like me. I'm going to kill that person if I see him again. 50,000 thoughts in our head a day. Most of it's stinking thinking. We need to grow up. Somebody say grow up. Grow up. Another thing we need to grow up in is our character. And this is not just for young adults, though our church is mostly always young adults, the median age is usually 25, single or newly married, that's generally who we attract. But, you know, we need to grow up in our character. When you give your words, you need to mean it. When you say something, you need to do it. When you make a commitment, you need to follow through with it. This is something that our generation has forgot. We think that, uh, we, I stand and do marriages all the time. And then I watch a few years later, and then the wedding vows are just out the window. It's like, then why do we even do this? Why didn't we say the real wedding vow that you wanted to say? Why didn't the guy just stand up and go, I'll love you until you get fat, and then I'm going to cheat with you on uh, the person I know at work. I'm going to love you until you nag, and then I'm going to just start watching the football games all the time. And then I'm going to love you until I get bored with you, and I'll just start looking at pornography. And then why doesn't the woman look at the man and go, you know, I'm going to love you until I feel like you don't meet my needs and I'm going to let the soap operas and reality TV, the Real Housewives of Dallas or whoever in New York meet my needs. And then I'm going to love you until you stop providing for me when you don't buy me nice stuff anymore. I'm going to find this guy down the road to buy me stuff. Because that's what we're saying by the way we live because these marriages keep getting in divorces. Because we don't know how to be in our character, a good husband. And our character, a good wife. You know when that starts? As a single as a single person, right now, gentlemen, if you can't be trusted with lefty or righty right now by yourself in your bedroom, how can you be trusted with a lady? That's right. You're going to want to hit that, get with that the moment you get alone. Are you listening? That's right. And ladies, if you can't be trusted by yourself with your fantasies and all these things, how are you going to be trusted with the guy? And if you can't come to church now for yourself, how are you going to bring your children to church? I hear this all the time from parents. Well, fix my kid, fix my kid. This one's all jacked up. Like I said, when they come on Sunday, I'm going to come out with a top hat and a little cake, like look at, and just go, poof, you're changed. Now fly along, little butterfly. <laughs> we, we don't understand. You've got to grow up in your character. You might fall in love. You can fall out of love. Relationships are built. Somebody should have wrote that one down. I'm going to say that again. If you can fall in love and you can fall out of love, but relationships are built on character. And lastly, you grow up in your words and your deeds. Watch how you talk. Watch how you act. Because God's watching. You might say, well, Pastor, I don't care what you think. No, God is watching. And this Bible is either true or it's a lie. So don't come on Christmas acting like you believe it. And then you go out at the club pretending he don't see. He sees you at the club. He sees you what you're doing. Don't act like God is fake like that. God is not dumb. He's where you are. Are you listening? Yeah. So you got to grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to grow up. You got to grow up. Thank you. Now I want you to understand why. Now I want you to get this in your mind. I don't want you to feel like bad, but I want this to rock you a little bit right now. 
You see, right now, we are in a free culture where living for Jesus is actually an easy thing to do. Uh, you didn't have to come here in secret. You didn't have to worry about somebody arresting you or you getting in trouble or you coming to church today. But I want you to look up at this screen. For the first 500 years of Christianity, this is what would happen to people. They were put into lion's den. This picture right here shows Christians being brought into an arena to be eaten by wild animals. And here is being tortured by other religious leaders. My friends, my brothers and sisters who serve the Lord right now in Pakistan and in uh, Nepal, but those two nations right now specifically, Pakistan and Nepal, are being threatened, are being uh, ostracized, having their properties confiscated from them. And some of them have been beaten. I'm not going to show it to you here, but one of the classes I teach in Bible college is global missions. And when we teach global missions, we prepare our missionaries for what they may encounter overseas. See, my cousin gave his life in the military in Afghanistan, and when he called my mother, because he knows he was a Christian, when he was going through his training as the Marines, he called my mother, which is his grandmother, excuse me, my nephew, uh, gave his life in Afghanistan, Billy, and he called my mother after being in basic training in the Marines, freaked out, you know why? Because they had the whole Marine squad watch the beheadings of our U.S. soldiers who get called overseas. Are you all tracking my nephew ended up giving his life overseas as a movie in Afghanistan. And, and he called up my, my mother, his grandmother, he said, Grandma, I'm so scared right now. I, I saw the heading of a U.S. soldier, and they showed me these videos to desensitize me, to help me understand the enemy that I'm fighting will show me no mercy if they capture me. Okay? And that prepares those soldiers to go out there and face some of the hardest things we can ever imagine. The bullets flying over their head. I was watching the documentary, Strepo. If you ever want to see what they go through, I've had some, uh, we have people in our church, some of them visit here, who have served overseas. They say that Strepo is the most realistic because this man went to a base in Afghanistan and just documented it. And he actually died in the uprising of Lebanon while he was documented. And what my point is, is, so many times I don't think you understand you're in a real fight right now. The devil wants to destroy you, my friends. The devil wants you to go to hell for eternity. You don't understand this because maybe you don't see a picture of hell up on the screen. And you don't get it. But the Bible tells stories about people who have gone through what you have gone through times a thousand. You're not the only one to be in a hard time financially. You're not the only one to come from a messed, a messed up family. You're not the only one to have bad things happen to you and people do you wrong. When you read the Bible, if you could please stop popping it, that would help me out right now. Thank you. Thank you. If, if you would get an understanding of the Bible and what other people in the world are facing, you would get maybe a little bit out of your pity patty part right now. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. And one of the stories that comes to my mind is David, uh, excuse me, Joseph, uh, you know, who I'm named after in the Bible, was one of the greatest characters of the Bible. But do you know what he had to go through in his life to become a, a great man of God? First of all, his brothers were jealous of him because he got a special coat. You know what they did? They faked his murder, threw him in a pit, and then sold him to Egyptian slaves. How many are happy your older brothers or sister didn't do that to you? That's right. I mean, imagine how jacked up your life would be if your siblings faked your murder and sold, sell you into slavery. 
That's how Joseph's life started off as a teenager. Then from a teenager, he's in a slave camp, he's working, and one of the master's wives starts to try to have sex with him. He is a hot, young, studly teenager, and this woman <laughs> wants to have sex. And the Bible says he keeps rejecting, keeps rejecting. She gets so persistent, she strips off his clothes, pulls it off, and he still doesn't want to have sex with her. And then now she's so embarrassed that she yells out to the guards. You didn't see her Bible, Genesis. She yells out to the guards with the clothes, and she says, the man came in here naked and tried to rape me. So Joseph, who was sold into slavery after his death was faked by his own brothers, is now lied on by his master's wife who has tried to rape him. And guess where he goes? He goes into a dungeon where he lives for the next seven years. And while he's there, he meets Pharaoh's uh, cupbearer and then Pharaoh's baker. And long story short, he has a dream. That the baker's going to die, the cupbearer's going to go back and work for Pharaoh. And he tells them their dreams. The, the baker ends up getting executed. Uh, the cupbearer goes to Pharaoh. And this is what he says to his God. He's like, hey, do you remember the dream I told you and it came true and all that? Would you tell Pharaoh about that and tell him that I'm innocent, that I was sold into slavery by my brothers and this woman lied on me? Guess what his friend from jail did? Forgot about him <laughs> for another, like, three years. Where's Joseph? In prison. So he went from the pit to Potiphar's house, to prison. And then finally, Pharaoh has dreams. And he's like, who's going to interpret my dreams? And the cupbearer's like, oh, this guy interpreted my dreams when I was in prison, Joseph. And he calls him up. And listen, Joseph's life, who I was named after, a great person of the Bible. You can look up to Joseph in the Bible. He had to go through a pit. He had to go to Potiphar's house as a slave. He had to go to prison before he ever went to Pharaoh. And then when he told Pharaoh's dream, Pharaoh took off this ring and made him in charge of his kingdom and blessed him so greatly. What I'm trying to say is, guys, you've got to go through some stuff in life. That's right. We call these tests. You take them in school so you can pass and go to the next grade. For you to move on with God in life, you've got to pass your test. And so if you keep failing in your sexuality, God's not going to bless you until you get that down. He's not going to bring you the right person because you would ruin it with the way you treat the relationship right now. God's not going to bring you to that great child because you'll get fired like you're getting fired right now. So what God does is he brings us to the places where we pass our tests. You see, I'm glad some of you aren't married and have kids. Because y'all can't even come to church on time. You're going to forget to feed your kids on time. <laughs> oh, Pastor, that's too much. No, I'm keeping it real. It, life does not get easier, my friends. It gets harder. It gets harder. The more you have a wife, the more you have kids, more responsibility. Some guys right now, you know, I get these texts all the time from these teenage guys. Hey, dude, had to change my cell phone number. You know, AT&T, you're so terrible. And it's like two months later. Hey, man, I've changed my phone from T-Mobile. You know, they you know what the problem is? You can't pay your bills. Yep. That's why you keep switching from phone. Your phone gets shut off. Dude, I'm glad you're not in charge of taking care of the house of somebody with wife and children. Because you can't pay your cell phone. How are you going to take care of your wife and kids? That's right. I hope some of you are glad you still came to church today. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just talking about growing up today. Come man. on, yes. I'm going to go through these very quickly. I'm going to help you grow up in church and why it's so important. Uh, would you look there with me into Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11? And here's why we need to grow up in church. Listen to this passage. It's so amazing. Talking about Jesus. It was he who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers 
to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach, watch this, unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Everybody say mature. mature. Come on, say mature. mature. Like we're so mature. <laughs> Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. For him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Somebody say work. Work. Thank you. Look at this right here. The church is here to grow you up. Just get that in your mind right now. I don't have time to explain what these five positions are in the church, but there are five if you're taking notes. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Apostles like myself start churches. Prophets speak prophetically the voice of God. We have that in our prayer times. Evangelists are those who go out and spread the message of God. Pastors are those also what I'm doing in life, Vanessa and Chris, who shepherd, pastor and shepherd mean the same thing, who take care of God's people and help encourage and move them forward. Teachers obviously teach. And people who work in the church can have multiple of these five giftings. But what is the purpose? Look at verse 12. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ, which is another word for the church, the body of Christ, we are God's arms and legs on this earth. If God is going to feed the homeless, who's, who's going to be his hand to touch the homeless person? Are you all with me? Amen. Oh, y'all got to get this. Where is God living right now? Heaven. Where is Jesus right now? Heaven. Okay, so if somebody right now is going to feed the homeless, who's going to do that? Us. We're, we're going to do that. So when my hand gives the homeless person I can get on Saturday, when the evangelism team went out and gave some sandwiches, that's your hand. That's a person's hand, but now it's being used as the hand of Christ. When somebody's words speak words of encouragement, the words of Christ, that becomes the voice of Christ. Okay? And when we all do that, we are the body of Christ. Some are the hands, some are the feet, some is the head, some are the eyes, some are the ears. And I don't have time to get into this, but we're built together in unity with all of our different gifts. Just like how the hand is not the foot and the kneecap is not the eye, but you need it for a full body. That's the illustration. Verse 14, then you will no longer be infants. So going to church is where people who are trained up help you get trained up. To grow in your things for God. So just think of right now some great things you want to be in life. And let's see if the church can help you do that. So let's start with the first thing. How many want to go to heaven? Amen. Okay. Amen. Do you think the church can help you do that? Yes. Okay. How many want to be a mom or dad, get married, and have a family one day? Okay. okay. How many of you want to have a job, make money, and not have money control you, but have a job that works for you and not just work for a job? Yes. It's called purpose. Guess what teaches us how to do those things? the Bible. You might say, well, I'm taking that class in college right now. Or, or you are? I'd like to know that class. Oh, Matt, I mean, come on. What class is going to really teach you how to be the mom you should be? Where are you really going to learn how to have a purpose through your job? It all comes from the Bible. And last time I checked, God didn't just send down a Bible. God sent the person of Jesus. And Jesus said, here's my words. He spoke them to men. And he said, now you're going to tell them my so now people are like, well, I'm just going to have the Bible all by myself. 
My friends, Jesus never intended you to be a one-man football team with the playbook in your hand. Okay, okay, here I am, one-man football team. Okay, we're gonna do we're gonna do blue thirteen. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. You're talking to yourself, y'all crazy and nuts. Okay, we're gonna do blue thirteen, blue thirteen, ready, one, two, three, break. Okay, let's go, blue thirteen. You can't be a one-man football team with the playbook. Are you listening? That's right. This little pinky right here cannot be a body all by itself. I cut off the pinky and just set it there. It's not gonna get a lot done, is it? The church is the body. We need to grow up in the church. Three things that we can get out of church. We submit to the leadership. Yeah, I'm sorry. Let me just pause right here. I'm sorry for uh, thieving, molesting, drug-using, lying, clergy, pastor people. I'm so sorry for those idiots. And if they don't get right, they'll be the first ones to hit the lake of fire, okay? According to what I believe in the Bible, okay? So I apologize to you through pastors who have lied, cheated, swindled, and all that junk, okay? But that doesn't mean everybody has, okay? That's right. Just because you go to McDonald's and you find a flying hamburger, that doesn't mean you're like, man, I'm quitting going to any restaurant, man. I'm burning them all down. <laughs> no, just because McDonald's sucks doesn't mean Ruth's Chris doesn't know how to cook up some steak. Doesn't mean Fogelman Child doesn't get it on. Are you all tracking with That's me? Right. Just because you went to a bad restaurant doesn't mean all restaurants are bad. Just because there's a bad priest, a bad leader, a bad pastor doesn't mean they're all bad. That's right. And one of the ways you can tell is you can see by the people who are in that church and the people who are over that church, the men that see my life, I submit to, you can check them out on Facebook, get their names and number. You can have a relationship with my pastor. And you can begin to see how he lives, and you can look at the congregation and how they live. Submit to leadership. We've been here before you. We can help you move along. Number two, learn from the teaching, like how we're learning right now. Keep coming to church. Learn from what's going on. And then number three, follow the example of love. Do you find love here? Is the church loving you? That, that little cookie and that little lemonade and a handshake and somebody inviting you to their house show you that they love you. If that doesn't show you that they love you, what do you want us to do? Like, we give you a back massage, mow your lawn. Okay, Danny, is that guy for that, okay? Right yes. there. So whatever we need to do to prove we love you, I volunteer Danny to do it as yes. long as it's not X-rated, okay? PG-13 maybe, but not X-rated. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my so we need to grow up in church. What's the next thing? We need to grow up in sexuality. Everybody say sexuality. Sexuality. Thank you. By the way, this whole entire message is found in one chapter of your Bible, Ephesians chapter 4. We're just simply going through verses 11 all the way to the ending part of the chapter. So here, grow up in sexuality. So I tell you this, and I insist on it. Somebody say, insist on it. Insist on it. Okay? So it's not like Paul is just going, guys, this is kind of sort of something kind of cool you can do. It's like a suggestion. No, he's like, this is a command. God didn't give ten suggestions. God gave ten commandments. Y'all tracking right. with me? Yes. And so God is saying through uh, Paul, because he wrote this, he said, I tell you this and insist on it, that you must not no longer live as the Gentiles do, and the futility of their thinking. And what does that mean? Non-Christians, Gentiles here, don't think the way we do. So you're going to meet a culture in a world that goes, sex before marriage? Oh, sure. Of course. I mean, I'm the biggest one I think of like, it's like Oprah Winfrey, right? It's like, it's like Oprah Winfrey's never been married to Stedman, but she's like, oh, like, let's talk about marriage. You know, she'll like talk to people about marriage because it doesn't matter in the world's mind. You can get married, you cannot get married. 
and, and you can, and this is what happened. First it was like homosexuality. A guy can love a guy, a girl can love a girl. And then now it's polyandry. A guy can love three girls. And then now it's polygamy. And they can get married. And then before you know it, and man, North American Man-Boy Love Association is trying to get the age of consent down to 13 years old. And that's what they actually had in the Roman Empire. So before you know it, we'll be living in such a, a, a world that everybody is blind. Nobody knows what they're talking about. Sure, sex before marriage is fine. Sure, sex among guys and same sex is fine. Sure, sex with multiple people is fine. And the world is just going to be like, and what? Like, what, you going to judge me? Oh, oh, no, don't you judge me. Just don't you judge me. That's what they're going to say back to you. You're like, oh, I thought God, you know, Adam and Eve. No, don't you judge me. Look at what my man Paul said. He says, I insist on this in the Lord, that you must no longer live as those who don't know God and the futility of their thing. That means all that they think is so wise, it's futile. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They just don't know no better. Come on, let's just be real. Before Jesus turned the light on in your heart, did you know any better? No, I didn't, it didn't make a difference to me. Pornography... Sex with multiple girls. I remember I was at a party. I was getting it on with my girlfriend. I walked into my, my friend's bedroom. He had two girls in the bed. I was like, yeah, I want to give me some of that. So I locked the door. I jumped into bed with the other girl. My girlfriend's knocking on the door. I'm like, just a minute. Dude, I didn't care. I didn't do all of that. But when Jesus came into my life, the light came on. And I realized the way I used to think was dark. Futile, and I was ignorant. Then you can relate to that because my heart was hard. Verse 19, having lost all sensitivity. That means they don't feel it anymore. If, if you take your skin right here and you burn it with a hot iron, you will burn the nerve endings of your skin. It will become callous like this, and you won't even feel it when people flick or poke you. And what happens is people's hearts get so hard in this world and this society, that when they come to a church like this, we're pricking at it with the word, like, I don't even feel it. Let's just go out and party tonight because people's hearts get so hard. They've lost all sensitivity. Why? They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. I want more. I want more. I want more. I've kissed a guy. It's not enough. Now i got to kiss a girl. Do you know that Katy Perry used to sing in the church just like this? But now she has to kiss a girl. I got to have more. I got to have more. It's not just one porno account. I need five porno accounts. It's not just one girlfriend. I need ten girlfriends. You see, we continual lust for more. And what we find out is that what God had for us sexually the whole time is the most satisfying. I'm going to say that again. It doesn't have to be whips and chains with three people, menage a trois. Let me just give you something to think about. Fall in love with God. Ask God to bring you your husband or your wife. And when you have sex, you will know what making love is. Sex is not just making love. Uh, making love is not just sex. And this world is selling this generation so short. 
They're showing it to you in the movies and these relationships and all of these sexually perverted things, and they just want more. They just want more. Already Kim Kardashian's already going through a divorce, just wants more, just wants more. It's never enough. And you look at somebody with some big old belly and some woman with, you know, some skin flapping in the wind. They've been married 50 years, and they go, I still love this person. We've lost the ability to be married because we think sex is why we got married. See, we have sex before we fall in love now. See, sexuality was supposed to be an expression of your love in a committed relationship. And the example that I love to give is uh, two cups. So I want grab me two cups and some lemonade, please. And, and I want you to get this today because if you don't get sexuality right, it will mess up every part of your life. And now I'm going to make it a little bit personal. My sister died drinking and driving, and she had two children with two different men. So I'm going to talk about my family. So you all don't have to be like, well, he's talking about me. I'm going to talk about my family. So my sister continued to let drugs and alcohol rule her life. She hit a bull going 70 miles an hour. The first funeral I did as a pastor was for my, my sister about 14 years ago. Uh, she was uh, married at one time, but, our, but she got married because she was pregnant. The marriage didn't last very long. And then she ended up having multiple boyfriends, and with one of the boyfriends, she had a child. Thank you. Uh, perfect, perfect, perfect. And when she died, two children had to go up uh, for adoption. My parents at this time were a little older. I'm a fourth child from a new marriage between my mom and dad. Basically, my mom and dad got the line right and then had me moved to Indiana. But before that, they had a past as well. It was a negative thing. But I thank God I didn't grow up in that because they had made some changes by that time in their life. My parents are you know, a little bit older. Uh, my brothers are old enough to be my brother and sister are old enough to be my parents. That's how the difference is. So anyways, my sister Jenny, she dies. Two children from two different men. None of them care. They don't step up and do anything. And they now pay the price. And I watched this firsthand. And then with my other sister that I lived with uh, here in Chicago in Naperville, lived with a man she wasn't married to who did drugs and abused her. And the boy was brought up in this, and their idea was, well, at least he gets to know his dad. So I grew up in a house where drugs was done with my brother, uh, with my sister and this man, and uh, both of them with a child. And, and, uh, my sister was abused. I didn't see it, but this is what has come up. And, and what we think about sexually is what we get out of it, me, myself, and I. Why well, I get this little pleasure? Why well, I get the not jumping up? And, and what we don't understand is we're destroying lives. We're destroying generations. And most of the problems I deal with and with adults, I'm talking grown adults, grown men, people that scare me, I'm like, oh, they do what they do. Grown adults, grown men, male people, most of those problems go back into their childhood because they didn't have a mom and dad love them and treat them right and raise them up together through life. Who are some of my biggest heroes? Single moms. But it's a struggle. And it doesn't have to be that way. Now, that's the pain that it causes people when we have sexuality all messed up. But let me show you what it does to you. Okay, now I want you to think about yourself as this water right here. You come into this world, you're a virgin. You've never sexually connected with anybody. If you've been molested, somebody takes this virginity from you, I'm very sorry. And we'll show you how to feel a sense of purity in this life. Through Jesus, we've seen God restore that. But let's just say no one goes through that hideous experience, so we're all virgins, and we get to that age, 15, 16, 14, now it's 11, I guess, people who's a virginity, whatever age. And what we do is we 
take a little bit of our heart, our lives, and we pour it into this cup right here, and we say, you know what, I'm going to give myself away. So here's that cup right here, and it's got water. I wish this was clear, but we'll make it happen like this. And then this other person says, you know, I want to give myself away too, because I'm looking to be happy, and I'm kind of incomplete. So here's some lemonade, and I'm going to pour myself into you, and then we're going to become... Now we're like, we're happy, right? You know, that couple's happy you've had sex, you're feeling good, you're in love. But because there's no commitment through marriage, what happens now? The people eventually separate. And I'm not saying marriage is the end-all, fix-all. I'm just saying when it's done God's way, it keeps people together. If I give this cup to Danny now, and I say, Danny, separate the lemonade from the water that I put in there so that this young lady can get her heart back so she can go back to being whole again and start over again. We can't do it, can we? If I now try to pour this back into here, there's still a part of this person in this cup. And that's why when people get into that relationship as a child and they lose a virginity, male and female, they feel this sense of, okay, it's right, it's right, I'm feeling good. But then when the breakup comes, they lose a part of themselves. And now the only time they feel like they're whole again is when they're mixing their cup up again because they say, this process makes me feel whole. And by the time you get to be about 30 years old, you are so mixed up and jacked up on the inside. You have given and taken so much baggage and lost so much of yourself. At 30 years old, you already feel like you've lived a lifetime of relationships. And you can't get it back. And you can't get the junk to leave. And broken records play in your mind of what they did to you and how they hurt you. And then, God forbid, a child comes out of this. And now people from your past, bits and pieces of relationships you had with them, you're now trying to share raising a child. And the child's raising up with a confused parent that doesn't even know who they are, let alone how can that child know who he or she is. You see, that's why the Bible says keep yourself pure. Sex is to be done with one person in life. After the commitment is, hey, are you down for life? Yeah, are you going to be with me forever? Are you ever going to leave me? Do you ever want to like cheat on me and break my, are, are you really going to be, what if I get sick? What if I get in a car accident? What if I have three babies? What if I look crazy? I'm still going to love you. You can trust me. So that's what marriage means. Yes. And then when you say that, Let's get it on. That's, that's the honeymoon. Here's something for yourself and your heart to God. Let God change your heart, my friends, about sexuality. Number two, become sensitive to his spirit. Number three, find satisfaction where you are. Remember that old song? I can't get no, 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 no satisfaction. You see, and I try. You see, well, the world knows you can't get it this way. The way of the world, the world they, they know you can't get it that way. But God says, you'll satisfy your needs. While you're single, you won't feel like you're missing anything in life. When I was single, even though I couldn't express myself in a relationship, God was feeding my needs. And this is the thing that I think we need to learn about sexuality. I'm going to go through these next ones quickly. And then if you have any questions, I'll take some questions tonight before we pray. Grow up in your thinking. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught of him. 
in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with the regard, regard to the former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your mind. Everybody say, new, new. in the attitude in the of, my mind. of my mind. Come on, and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The Bible says, as a man thinks, is as a man is. You think about yourself like Lady Gaga, you're going to act like Lady Gaga. You think that you can't get anything better out of life, you're going to have a bad life. If you don't think that God is real and will answer prayer, you won't pray. So as you think is who you are. What the Bible says is, you need to be made new in your attitude. He says, take off your old self. I'm generally a negative person without the Lord. If you left me alone without the word of God, I would be negative all the time. My mom said my attitude just stunk. I was always negative. I hate this. I hate this. That was how I always was. But when I got born again, God said, take off that attitude. But I don't want to know. Take it off. But I don't want to know. Take it off. And put on a new attitude. And it's like taking off a set of clothes that you're used to, like your pajamas. Anybody got pajamas that just love? Like my wife is like, she was like, Joe, if you do not get a new set of pajamas, I'm going to burn these. And you will never find these. I'm talking like I just spit stains in my pajamas. And, and it's like hard as a rock. I can't even like put down my arm because of like how hard these pit stains are. And my wife is like, you better, you better do something about this. I'm going to burn these, this shirt right now. And I want you guys to listen to me. When I got some new pajamas at Kmart, oh, I was like, thank you, Lord. I had a new, like, sweatpants, like, you know, because it's winter now, you got to get, like, a flannel pants. People like that I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And I got, like, a new T-shirt. And then I got, like, this V-neck T-shirt. I'm just like, dude, this smells so clean. I'm like, baby, you were right. And when God says, take off that attitude, at first you're like, but this is the only attitude I know. This is how I feel the most comfortable. I don't know how to act. People will think I'm fake. But as you begin to put on that new attitude, you're like making yourself smile at your job. Okay, I'm just going to smile. What's wrong with you? You look crazy. Because I want to smile and have a good attitude here. You know, they all, in the church I used to go to, they would say, fake it till you make it. Begin to realize that changing doesn't always come easy. But guess what? You can begin to change that attitude to where that now becomes your normal attitude. And don't take my word for it. Ask my wife, is Joe a positive person or a negative person? My wife will tell you, he is always so positive. I, I'm not trying to say like I walk, I wake up like Mr. Rogers, but I'm not that grumpy old person like I used to be. Like literally, like I feel like I'm so serious. I'm so blessed that I don't deserve this. Like, I got to wake up this morning, have breakfast with my kids, and I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm smiling. I'm like, I'm like, Bethany, how did you sleep last night? Good, Daddy. And I'm like, that's awesome, Hannah. How was your night? You know, and, and, and then, like, we're eating our cereal, and then Nancy pulls out the scripture, and I look outside, and I'm like, it's such a beautiful day. You see, the, the new attitude has actually become new. And, and now if you would see me in a bad attitude, as my wife does, at times, I'm not perfect. When she sees me in that bad attitude, she goes, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? But before, when I was growing up with my mom, if I was happy, she'd be like, what's wrong with you? Because, right? Because being bad was my normal. 
But now being good is my goal. I'm just talking about, but if you don't relate to this, Amen. seek God's truth. Meaning, when you're thinking about stuff, think about what God says is true. God says there's a heaven. So God can at least make you happy on some days. You don't have to think about heaven to make you happy. How about this? God says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Can that make you happy? Amen. How about this? God says he loves you. Can that make you happy when you think about that after being rejected? Yeah. So think about God's truth. Don't think about stinking things in life. Number two, put off deceitful desires. The Bible says that our heart is wicked, and we have a way of deceiving ourselves. Let me give you an example of this. Did you ever think about something like so much, and you're just like, I just got to have this, I just got to have this, I just got to have this. And then like you got it, and it like didn't live up to all the hype you had yourself created. Or were you ever in a relationship with somebody who's like, I gotta be with them, I gotta be with them, I gotta be with them. And then you started being with them, and you're just like, dude, you're kind of lame, I don't wanna be with you. <laughs> How many times have we done stuff like that? You know, because like, I'm a gadget person, and so I, I'm that guy who waits in line, uh, you know, for the new stuff. The new, I mean, I'm there the day it comes out, that's just the type of guy that I am. I don't collect cars, I don't, definitely don't get into sports, I'm not that guy. I watch cooking shows with my wife on Super Bowl night while everybody else is watching uh, the Super Bowl. And I was just like, oh, you know, because I go from the iPad 1 to the 2, I needed all these new things. And I was just saying, it's going to change. And you know, this is me, a pastor, and I sometimes fall into this. I'm like, it's going to change my life. And I got it. It was just like, well, well, not too much different than the world. Not too much different. Well, you know, could do a little bit of this. But we always tell ourselves what we think we need. We need to listen to what God says. Amen? Amen. Because our desires can be deceitful. But the third thing is to walk in the righteousness of Christ. The bottom line is, you're not going to do this. God is going to do it through you. And, and, and it's not like how good you can be. It's what you can allow God to be good through you. Because in me, there is nothing good. In you, if you're going to be honest, the best you'll do is still fall short. But if you can ask God for help, he will certainly help you. Is anybody getting stuff out of this? Let's just go to the fourth one and we'll walk through quickly. Grow up in your character. Therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Oh, help me, Jesus. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Can I hear another amen about that? Does anybody deal with anger here? And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing should steal no longer, but he must work. Do something useful with his hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. You see, the Bible gives us an example of character here about stealing. And, and, and he can go through any of the Ten Commandments, but he's basically saying, the one who used to steal, don't steal. How about this? The one who's lying, stop lying. Any of the commandments. You know there's commandments about being lazy, so stop being lazy. There's commandments of obeying your parents. There's commandments actually for you to go on your job tomorrow and do an awesome, superb job. You know what the Bible says? Do all things as unto the Lord so that your earthly bosses will give praise to God. Amen. Come on. Those are actually commands. But the Bible says here that when we don't do this and we become false, a hypocrite, we're trying to be something we're not, and we're not really letting God change us. But the Bible says we give the devil a foothold. Now I want you to think about this. Danny, would you stand up for me, please? Now, yes, if me and this brother went toe to toe. How many know it, it, it would be it would be a little bit embarrassing for this guy right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You would beat me up. Man. I don't even know who did it. 
knock me out one punch. But look, I'm going to throw up my foot right in the table. Now go ahead and walk that way. <laughs> go ahead and walk any way you want. See, you got yeah. Let's give it up for Danny. Okay. I would have been better to see you're awesome. I just didn't know what they wanted to say. You know, it would be a, it would be a mismatch, you know, in weight division, whatever. That's right. But if he gets a hold of my foot, he's in control. The Bible says that over the devil and his power, Christians are supreme. Christians can book the devil any time of the day. Don't ever think to yourself, Jesus and the devil are having some slug back. Like Jesus throws a punch, the devil throws one, and God's just like put us in the middle of it. No, the Bible says when Jesus died on the cross, the devil was crushed like a serpent. It's underneath the feet of Jesus. And then Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, by my authority, you can go out and do all things that I have done. So why are we still fighting around with the devil? Why is the devil still able to mess with our lives? You know why? He gets a foothold. He looks at your character and he goes, I see that you like to steal. And the way you steal is you lie about what time you come into your job and what time you leave. Your boss thinks you're working these hours, but you really won't work in these hours. I got you by the foot right now. I'm controlling your life. I'll stop the blessings of God coming to you. I see the way you look at other ladies. I see what you do on the internet. I just pull up your foot. And see the devil, he gets footholds in our lives. And we're wondering, we're wondering why our life ends up in the ditch and in all of these different emotionally distressed places. And what we're not understanding is the devil's got a foothold. And we're saying back to God, we're going, God, I mean, what's going on? I mean, you're not taking care of me here. Why is everything so messed up? And God says, Check the sin. And then you look around and you're like, God, I'm not killing anybody. Come on, I'm not a healer. I don't molest children. I don't steal from a bank. And then, you know, and then God says, look at your character. You've let the devil have the foothold. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've gone back in prayer as I was wang like a little baby. And God <laughs> says, Joe, you're actually in this problem because it's only things you and I was like, God, what did I do? And God's like, it's your character. You see, your gifts and talents can bring you to the mountaintop, but it's your character that will keep you there. You may be able to win a guy or a girl on a few dates, but that's not going to build a happy relationship. It's going to be your character that keeps that marriage together. You may have done great at the job interview, but it's not going to be that which keeps you going. Your character is going to determine how you go on that job. Are you all listening so stop lying. Don't sit in your anger and stop stealing. And here's the last point. Grow up in your words and deeds. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for the building up of others according to their needs. How many know if we only spoke the things that build up others, we probably would not be talking a whole lot? Think about that. Remember the old saying, if you can't say anything good, don't what? Well, that comes from the Bible. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up the needs of others, that it may benefit those who listen. When you are talking, you should always be asking yourself, because you know you can talk and think at the same time and freaking cool that way. And you might even be able to chew gum and think and talk, all right? And walk. That's awesome. You can roller skate. You can roller skate and do all of that. You're awesome. But think of this. When you're talking, you should be asking yourself, is this benefiting the person I'm talking to right now? 
is what I am saying benefited the person I'm talking to? And the second thing you should ask yourself is, do the people listening to me, is it benefiting them if they overhear my conversation? One of the greatest confessions that I've heard is from my brother Ricky, he's a Chicago police officer, we were doing our accountability, and he said, man, I get on the job, and it's just so easy, negative, negative, you know, he's a police officer, I mean, I pray for him often, he just imagine what they're seeing out there every day, and, you know, they get around each other, and they can make fun of the person they arrested, or they're talking about the jerk that, you know, they had to tie down, hog tie, put him in the car, and he said, you know what, he said, guys, just been telling me, I'm just too negative on the job. And I said to him, I said, dude, you're the most positive person I know, Ricky. Do you ever know you guys know Ricky? Most positive person you'll ever know. In the sense of whenever you just so positive, you know what happened? His job started taking away that positivity. So you've got to make a decision, friends. How are you going to talk? Just because everybody else is talking that way doesn't mean you have to talk that way. Maybe everybody on your job wants to cuss. Maybe they want to make fun of that customer. Maybe they want to talk about the boss behind their back. Maybe every husband wants to talk bad about their wife. I can't tell you how many times I've been in places where men have said to me, come on, man, aren't our wives bad? I go, my wife isn't. Well, you're just saying that because she's a no, no. I'm telling you that, that's true. I love my wife. I remember a Christian man coming to me when we first started our, our first church. We would play Halo all the time after church, and my wife would be there. And one time this guy came to me, and he had a wife. He said, Joe, just tell your wife to go out or something, man. Why do you always have your wife here? I said, dude, she's my best friend. You see, this Christian guy had been married, and his wife became his ball and chain. I said, she's my best friend. That's why I play Halo. She don't like Halo. She'll wash it because she knows that's what I like to do. My wife has gone out fishing with me at 3 in the morning as I catch sharks. And she's like, Ew. But I'm like, honey, if you want to go, no. She's like, I want to be out here. You're my best friend, too. Amen. Number one, stop trash talking. Number two, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You know why? We, we, you need to worry about this because verse 30 says, And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And whom you've been sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. That means just bad talking, bad acting. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Stop trash talking. How about this? Start treasure talking. Let your words be treasures to those about you. Number two, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Have you ever, those of you who are Christians, and you're growing up in your faith, have you been in a conversation, somebody says something, and you're going to sit there and make yourself? Yeah. Have you ever been talking, and you're like getting all excited, and then you say something you shouldn't have, and then you get that sick feeling? You know what that is as a Christian? That's more than your conscience, because you had your conscience before you got saved, and you used to do it all the time, never felt bad. It was unbelievable for me when I started feeling that feeling. Because when I first got saved, I, I still cussed, and I still smoked, and I still hung around some of my old friends, you know, like my friend uh, John, who wanted to give me some weed and all that. And, and you know what? I would be hanging out with them, and dude, my pit started coming in my stomach. Do you know that to this day, I still can't watch rated R movies, uh, like the real, like I watch like Save Your Private Ryan, Gladdy, but I can't watch those, you know what? They drop those F-bombs, they do, and it's just, I get that pit my stomach, because I know God is grieved. I know he's grieved, because he says, don't talk like that. You shouldn't be listening to that. And lastly, get rid of all forgiveness and be, uh, unforgiveness and be forgiven. 
You know, in life, people are going to hurt you. And those thoughts can play like broken records in your mind. And it won't be easy to forgive. But I can tell you, you can form a habit of forgiveness. I've been around some people, and they've said to me, Joe, I have heard these people say this about you, and I'm stinking mad, and I'm going to tell you what I think about them. And I'm like, forgive them. But, I, but, but I'm, they're, not even, they're not even saying it about me. They're saying it about you. Why are you telling me? And I'm like, because you know what? I forgive them. Jesus was hanging on the cross. While they crucified him, spit at him, and shook their fist at him. And what did he say to the Father? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Would you all stand to your feet with me, please? Thank you for your patience today. As Vanessa comes, let me just say this. Uh, as your friends come and go, don't let it distract you, my friends. We're always going to honor God's word. Amen? I know we got one amen. I'm going to say that again. As people come and go, stay for the word of God. Amen? amen. And, and I'm not upset with those who have to go. I don't know what's going on in your life. I just know uh, sometimes when you go along, people come and go. I'm not embarrassed about that. And I'm not here to change that. But this is very important for you to know. This is where the rubber meets the road. A lot of my messages have been kind of like apologetic or things that get you thinking. But I remember talking to Jennifer and Karina, and I said, the next one's coming up. I'm going to be very practical, if you remember. And, and now these are those messages. I want to encourage you. I'm sorry, but I put that Ephesians one up there. I want to encourage you to grow up in your salvation. I have tried to share my life with you in such a way that you can see my failures and my accomplishments as a kind of like something that God did through him, I can do. But now... Get your eyes off of me. Let's put our eyes back on you. You know, you put your eyes on me. Don't put my eyes on me. And let's look at this lens. And let's see how we're growing. Growing up in church. Are you starting to realize why it's good to come here? I got a clock right here. Since we started, including songs, offering, the question time, and the fellowship time, two hours. How long is Captain America movie? Two hours. How long is Transformers movie? If you would have been sitting here and this would have been a movie, two hours would have been nothing, and most people never would leave once they would have paid the cut. Are you all listening? What's important to you? Church? Two hours. Is it worth it? Gotta ask yourself that. Gotta have you you can only answer for yourself. Uh, it's worth it for me. It's worth it for my family. I hope it's worth it for you. Second thing, sexuality. By the way, I didn't make up this example, but when this example was shown to me, so many lights went on. Did you connect with that today? I hope you did because God wants you to grow up. And I'm not promising you a spouse and I'm walking through the yellow brick road with roses, but God promises you a happy family. That is a reality. Doesn't matter what you've gone through, you can start over again today and God will purify you. He's the only one that can and He can give you a great relationship. Grow up in your thinking. Is there anybody here that's just tired of the negativity of your mind? Or of the doubts, the buts, the excuses? Just take it off. Who said you had to think about it? We deceive ourselves all the time. Well, I thought about it, that means I gotta think about it. No, you don't. Just because I find an attraction towards a woman that I see in the, the store or something, doesn't mean I gotta let lust come into my heart. 
I can go, yeah, I'm feeling that attraction, but God changed my thought. I'll start thinking about the beach like fishing. I'll start thinking about riding the bike. I'll think about my wife. I'll do something to transplant that thought. Are you willing to do that, to grow up? The next thing, are you willing to grow up in your character? Like if you looked at the mirror of your life right now, would you see kind of the zits and the hairs out of place of your character go, and I need to need to fix that. I need to put this in place. Let go of that attitude that says, somebody's judging me. Get along with God. He'll tell you all your faults, but he'll do it in a way that says you can change. And then lastly, do you want to grow up in how you talk and just how you act? This is the way I look at it today, my friends. It's either you grow or you die. Let's just keep it real. When your body stops growing, what happens to your body? It starts dying. Isn't that what happens? When a river stops growing in the flow, the river becomes stagnant and dies. If you stop growing, you'll die. I've seen so many people start Christianity like it's a sprint, and they're like, man, I'm going to live this out for all my life. And after a few months, they get discouraged, they don't grow up, and they quit. It wasn't God's fault. God is asking you, you want to grow up? Because the only other option is to go back. And if you go back, you lose what you have. Amen. Can we pray today? And then I'll take questions at the, uh, the end of fellowship. Lord, I just thank you for bringing us all here to a place, God, where we can look at the word and have it speak to our lives. And Lord, I pray that even as we're here right now, God, that we'll be honest with the things going on in our life and that we'll take a look at ourselves, God, so that we can grow up. Lord, would you show us just right now those areas that we need to grow up in, God? Those areas, Lord, that we need to change in I'm just going to play this song, and I'm not going to ask any altar workers to come up. You know why? Because I know our altar workers, they need to pray too. So as we play this song in closing, if you want to kneel back down or sit down, would you just give the Lord the time it takes to go through this song, maybe three minutes. Consider this the credits. But yet, this is the best part, so don't leave until it's over. Would you take the time for this song to play and to make a decision to grow up in the areas that maybe God spoke to you in? We'll dismiss right after this song. You may sit, kneel, whatever you do to feel comfortable to pray. Thank you.
that Christian and Vanessa would come forward. And they're going to be up here if you need prayer as a guy or a girl. Maybe for something else we didn't cover tonight, we're here to pray for you. Or something that spoke to your heart. But as I get ready to dismiss, I just want us to say from our own heart today, God, I'm choosing you. I want to grow up. Would you just say that in your own words today? You know, God help me. I'm a child, Lord. I don't know it all. I want to do it your way. I've done it enough my way. I mean, would you just do that right now? Maybe sexuality is the big thing for you. Maybe it's your character. Come on, just tell God, Lord, I'm done doing it my way. I'm going to do it your way, God. And then if you just want to raise your hands as a sign of surrender. You know, we do this at concerts as a sign of adoration for the band. But in church, we do it up to God. Not only as adoration, but as a sign of surrendering our heart to Him. It's like we're opening up the doors of our life that we've been keeping from Him. And we're saying, God, just come in. I come your way. Come on, you know if I can sing it, you can sing it today. Tuesday. God bless you. Have a wonderful night.